With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your host, Steve Politi and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Rant. Steve Politi here, James Kratz, Keith Sargent. Uh, lots to talk about today in the show. We haven't been, we haven't had one in a, little, in a little while here. We've got the spring game coming up. We've got the lacrosse revolution all of a sudden here in Piscataway. We are lacrosse university going to discuss whether or not this is the best season in Rutgers sports history, but Cratch, we got to start man with your achieving what I am sure is the equivalent of most journalists winning a Pulitzer prize would be talking to, Mike and the Mad Dog on the same day for the same story. All right, so they coached the spring game back in the Graber days. Just take us through, first of all, <laughs> landing the interview with Mike Francesa and what it was like when, when, when he popped up and you called him. Or whatever. Just take us through the whole thing. Yeah, so basically um, I, I texted both of them, and Dog literally got back to me within like five minutes. And like five minutes after that, um, back with a text and in five minutes of that Mike just calls and I, I go, Hey Mike, how are you? And he literally, and just launches right into being Mike Francesa. It is, it, I cannot begin to describe what it's like to interview the two of them. And first off, they were both tremendous, uh, very appreciative of how cooperative they were, how, you know, they, they really, you could tell that this was something that they really enjoyed. And it's amazing because it's just like, they are who they are. Like they're uh, John Beiser, the four record sports information guy said like, you can't fake that for six hours a day for right, 19 right. years. Like yeah. they are in character because that is their character. And it's just such a strange experience. It's kind of surreal. Like you're interviewing them and you've done thousands of interviews in your career, but it's like, it's like Mike and the Mad Dog are on the radio, but only it's through your phone directly at you. <laughs> And you're just sitting there like they say things and you're like, oh, my God, Mike, like I have an audio dog going like that's a good job out of you, James. Like that will be <laughs> saved. <laughs> like did you, did you tell him long time listener, first time caller? I, I did not. Um, I wish I had. No, like I, I literally like th- that audio file is saved in like 19 different like places, hard drives now. And I expect my children when I die, I want like an eternal loop in the casket. That's a good job out of you, James. <laughs> like that's what I, yeah, it should, it really should be. Uh, so no, look, I, I think that 
obviously like look, this is very silly like uh, as a guy once told me it's interesting nonsense but I do think that there is a bigger you know overarching theme in this is that that spring game 1991 was kind of the beginning of Rutgers acting like a big time football school would you know, they had been to the Garden State Bowl a couple of years ago. They were going into the Big East. Doug Graber is a guy who I think is very underrated in the, in the school's history in that he, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for it because you had the Terry Shea debacle between Graber and Shiano's first stint. But he was a guy who kind of came in and said, okay, like Rutgers is going to be in a conference. We want to win. We want media attention. We want to act like a college football program should. And that was kind of one of the first steps to doing it. You know, he's a guy who got the job and immediately was like, hey, these two wacky guys on WFAN, like I should build a relationship with them. So Doug would go on the show every now and then, see him at golf outings. And he kind of said, look, the spring, spring practice sucks for the players. It sucks for the fans. Let's do something to make it fun and interesting. And he was able to leverage his relationship with them and getting them to come out. And it was a really big deal. And I think it was one of those first moments where Rutgers got, you know, a week-long infomercial on WFAN. And as I wrote in the story, Mike and the Mad Dog were already Mike and the Mad Dog. Like, they were an event everywhere they went already. And Rutgers got that kind of, you know, priceless exposure. There's so many little nuggets I love in the story. Uh, and, of course, the first quote from, from Mike is just hilarious. The, Who, who's going to read this? It's just but just perfect. Um, but for me, I don't know why. And this, this is, this, I just love the fact, sorry, didn't you love the, you, I know you know where I'm going with this. Love the fact that Harvey Yavner of all people, <laughs> yeah, Harvey Yavner, the guy, the nicest man in the world from the Trenton times covered the, covered the program forever. He would sit in the press box. I mean, they could lose 50 nothing and they would say something nice about Greg Shiano just destroyed the whole thing. Yep. That was tremendous. How about about that, Sarge? (laughs) That's a good job by you, Steve. That's a good job by Harvey. Harvey was not taking it. Harvey was not having any of this. He did not like it at all. No, that was it. It was tremendous, and yeah, we we both, um, you know, started our careers, and we, you know, we knew Harvey, and Harvey was was absolutely the the type of guy, you know, a columnist who who, um, really always was flattering toward Rutgers during those days. For him to to take a shot at him, that was strange thing to get, get on, you know, get salty about. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, well, the incredible the- thing is, too, like this, like one of the newspaper stories said that you know, dog was, uh, it was obviously spring game was on a Saturday, had mentioned that dog on the Friday night before was going to have to drive up to UMass to give a speech at the UMass basketball banquet because they had lost a bet with John Calipari that, um, if Fordham, if it's like, this is how crazy it is. Like they bet him, well, if UMass beats Fordham, which nowadays it's like saying if Alabama beats, you know, Piscataway High, we're going to come speak at your banquet. And, and Dog goes, no, no, that wasn't it. That was later in the year. It was Mike and I both went. He goes, we were in Atlantic City for the Holyfield uh, George Foreman fight at Caesar's wow. Palace. Wow. Back it's, when AC would have big fights. Yeah, wow. back when AC have big fights and everything. Um no, they they were. It was tremendous. Uh, a lot of a lot of good memories. Doug Graver was great. Um, a lot of people helped out. But no, just it's just a fun story. And like the the photo of Mike being carried off the field. And one of the things that's funny is, you mentioned Harvey. Like that was just a priceless quote you had to put in. But 
he was like the only reporter who was like even skeptical about this. Like there were like I, I, Joe, the, the late great Joe Calabrese, he interviewed both of them. Like they were the head coaches of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. The fact like, that Francesca uh, tried to imitate Parcells. Was, was, oh yeah. You know, the same game plan. As same the game plan. Super Bowl. Well, I mean, if you, like my fair quote is when Francesca is like, you know, we had the ham and egg guys on my roster. Because that was the thing, like, they had this strange draft where, like, like Francesa truly pulled an upset because not only did Mad Dog get most of the skill players, he somehow managed to get the only kicker and punter in the program. <laughs> and he still lost the game, so. What a choke. Epic choke by, by the dog in that game. Uh, it's great. And it, it was before, the thing that I really thought was, it was really before every spring game now has some kind of gimmick. You know, it was before that was a thing that every program did and and hey give, give credit to Doug Graber for I had no idea really but I, I did I learned that from you story I had no idea he was responsible for that so uh, uh that's some good stuff and I asked uh, I asked under, several people uh, and they said 100% that was all Doug Graber that was not a PR guy thinking uh, it up that was Graber underrated part of uh Doug Graber's uh t- tenure uh uh, graduate assistant was uh, Graciano, followed by Butch Jones, finalist for the job this time around. So, you know, he clearly, you know, he had a good staff, good eye for talent back then. Steve Spagnola, and, uh, I believe, was on his Spagnola. staff. Spagnola, yep, Spags was on the staff too. So, yeah. And yeah, popularity. There's your next oral history. Uh, all right. Let's dive into the current spring game. A um, little bit, little bit less interesting, <laughs> unless you uh, enjoy griping about attendance. Could be five thousand people in the building. Um, you know, just thinking about what we want to see here, guys. Obviously, the backup quarterback situation is going to be a big one. Um, you know, finally, Evan Simon, Cole Snyder feel like they're auditioning for that role. Although uh, I think Johnny Langan's going to have something to say about that, based on all the raving reviews about him in the in his development. Uh, Sarge, what are you looking for? What do you want to see from this game? What's interesting to you? Yeah, it's a backup quarterback. So, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, say that, you know, it's going to be our first real, uh, look at, at both of them. Um, you're right. I mean, I, I, I just reading between the lines and, 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 you know, how much they've read about Johnny Lang and I kind of feel like if, Anything was to happen to 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 Noah uh, Vedral that Langan would 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 not only get an extended look, but he might be the uh, the, the guy that they would rely on to to really uh, carry the offense. If that, if that was the case, however, you know, we, we until we really see you know Evan Simon and, and Cole Snyder, you know, in an extended uh, period of, of action, we can't really say that uh, neither of them can play. This will be our first opportunity. A couple other guys, uh, you know, I, I Josh Youngblood. I, I know you know. Graciano acknowledged the fact that he was a little banged up early in, in, in camp. It'll be our first opportunity to see him, Crookshank together. Um, and again, I mean, you know, Graciano is not going to, they'll, they'll try to probably, uh, you know, open it up and try to uh, put on a show. It'll be on BTN and they'll try to, uh, you know, put on a show, but uh, you know, he's going to keep it very vanilla and there's not going to be any, uh, you know, you know, program secrets that are going to be divulged. It'll just be exciting to see a practice, Cratch. I mean, we haven't, you know, when was the last practice that, uh, 
and he was watched. I mean, just to be able to see, just to see some of these guys at the bottom, on the bottom of the roster that you've, you just, you just not, you know, you haven't seen in then yet, period. Yeah, no, you haven't seen a lot of these guys at all. You haven't seen a lot of these guys since the 2019 spring game. You, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm looking to, I want to see the offensive line, how they mix and match, like what guys are out there at what spots. Uh, same with the defensive line. Intrigued to see the secondary just because, I think there's a lot of depth questions there. I agree with Sarge. I don't think we're going to see a whole heck of a lot. I'm sure they'll have some razzle-dazzle built in to kind of excite the 5,000 fans. Let me just say something. I feel like might get there early and do a head count because after all the belly aching, all those tickets better be off the shelf. Yeah, man, there better be, yeah, there better be 4,999 people. And like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I agree with that totally. Uh, all right, let's jump over to lacrosse. From meaningless games to meaningful games in lacrosse. Rutgers did not win a lacrosse postseason game for 31 years. Get two in one weekend. The men and the women both winning their games. The women later eliminated by Stony Brook, who knew they were lacrosse power, women's lacrosse. Uh, and now uh, you, uh, Rutgers gets to play Carolina in lacrosse, a true lacrosse power. Uh, it, what is the significance of this, fellas? I mean, obviously fans are not going to gaga for lacrosse, but – I mean, the fact that you're seeing some of these programs capitalize on the facilities, capitalize on coaching. I mean, what do you think overall, Cratch? I think for a lacrosse standpoint, and I tweeted this, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why Rutgers men's and women's lacrosse, the State University of New Jersey, should not be in the NCAA tournament pretty much every year and eventually contending for Big Ten titles and national titles. You know, we live in a state where lacrosse is very popular. You know, you, we, I mean, the town of Summit alone probably could put together three state championship teams between the Summit High team, uh, the Dobarton team, and the Summit JV team. You know, it's like we, we have this – and, like, you're, look, you're not going to get all of them, and I think it's a lot like wrestling in the sense that the Ivy Leagues are a serious contender for a lot of these top recruits. But there's absolutely no reason why Rutgers men's and women's lacrosse should not be – powerhouse programs year in and year out you've got the you know the recruiting grounds you've got the lacrosse culture you've got the facilities now at the rodkin center uh it was a long time coming for both programs now they need to take off this cannot be a one-off this has to be an every year thing going forward will it be an every year thing sarge what do you think i do um you know uh, talk to brian breck after the game and he mentioned you know the Rodkin Center this is their first uh you know opportunity to really uh showcase it now and uh you know they had just moved in uh, to their, their their shiny new facility and now they're they had the, the practice field um there's really they have the resources now um I remember when he first took over um you know uh, doing, doing a story on on uh you know what what Jim Stagnitta you know had and you know high school coaches around the state were talking about like you know the porta potties that were that, that you know the fans had to go to and basically the, the the facility was equivalent to like a you know a, a group two uh, high school lacrosse program basically so he's really uh you know ha has some resources they've uh, put a lot of money into it and now now is the time you know after 10 years you know they finally got there and uh you know it's nice to see them get a win um I, I, would be great to see him beat uh, Politi's alma mater. You know, that would be, you know, that would be, you know, fitting, you know, this season. I know Politi is going to probably wear the light blue, uh, you know, on, 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 on Saturday, but you know, right. it'll be. Cause if there's one thing you know about me, it's, it's my you're in lacrosse, loyalty so. to, to Carolina lacrosse. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, no, I just, yeah, it, 
And, and again, the, the women's uh, program, you know, I, I think Kratz tweeted, but, you know, she's done as good of a job as, as any Rutgers coach, you know, on campus over, over last year. I, I mean, confess that these were the first lacrosse games I've, I've, I've ever watched in full, fellas. And a couple observations. The one thing is, like, that, that if, if you, there are multiple felonies committed every minute in the men's game. It is insane. They just beat the living crap, crap out of each other. Yeah. How are they not? I mean, how do they walk at the end of the season? Yeah. And then the women's game is completely different. They don't wear helmets in the women's game. It's just a completely different, completely different sport entirely. There you go. That's my, that's my, that's my lacrosse analysis, Cratch. Uh, I agree with you. That really helped my credibility. Yes. What Melissa Lehman has accomplished is incredible. Because this is a, 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 you know, she takes over a program that has been underachieving for years her first season gets wiped out, yeah. you know, nine games in by the pandemic. And then she comes back to an all Big Ten schedule, beats, you know, makes all these, you know, program first win over Hopkins, Maryland, Penn State, gets them in the NCAA tournament, wins a game. Yeah. That's, That's incredible. In year two, I mean, just a tremendous achievement uh, by that program. I think maybe the most impressive coaching job uh, since I've been on the Rutgers wow. beat in terms of like, Quick, you, you, uh, rowing, yes, I, I think, you know, you have to give Justin Price and rowing credit, you know, was, as I've said before, like the way when I wrote that story, when they made the NCAA tournament in 2019, the way people were talking about the program, I was like, well, did the boats have holes in them? I mean, like, <laughs> were they made of cement? Like, it just, that's how far they were. Afloat. But, but I, even then, you know, just a, a tremendous turnaround uh, for women's lacrosse. Uh, Melissa Lehman really has proven that, you know, they, they potentially have a, a big time superstar in their hands. Yeah, just had those, they had the, the you know those giant swans they have out the lake when you the pedal boats was that what they were using is that the, the incredible? all right let's let's do the big picture here and I wrote this this column this morning and it's just a question I've asked a lot of Rutgers alums um, is this the best overall season ever I mean all right five NCAA tournaments three All Americans wrestling all of these droughts and I think that's a significant thing you're crossing off you know. 31 years for and for the basketball 38 for win i mean all these different things that they're they're, they're, they're you're you're xing off um can you make the case sarge is it in the top five is it at least in the discussion what do you think it's definitely in the top five um you know men's basketball what they did you know getting getting there certainly evolved uh near there it's hard to say it's the best when when football and again i know what he inherited and he did a really good job last year. But, you know, even Graciano has been quite open that three and six wasn't good enough. And so the, when your marquee program is three and six and when your marquee program has had years, you know, like, like the, you know, 76 when they were un, unbeaten um, and 61 when they were unbeaten in 2006 when they obviously, uh, you know, were, became a national story. Really hard to, uh, you know, say, say that it's the best ever when the football program was, you know, three and six. However, I mean, you, you mentioned it, the NCAA appearances for, for women's soccer, for, for, for men's uh, and women's lacrosse, for, for men's basketball, um, you know, winning games, you know, in the NCAA tournament as well. You know, just a tremendous year, certainly in the uh, top two or three um, all time for sure. Yeah, and the, bo- the the fact that the bottom and this this is overlooked, and I know no, you know, Rutgers fans are not going to get um, uh, excited when the volleyball team wins six games, but or matches or the matches games, whatever they're called. Um, but the fact that they had lost ninety nine of their first one hundred, you know, I mean, you just think about how how low some of these teams were, and I think you, the fact you're seeing uh, the water rise a little bit at the bottom. 
And, and let's be honest, the, 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 you know, this is what the best, these are the best programs in the country have. They're, Michigan is good at everything. Stanford is good at everything. North Carolina is good at everything. So, you know, once you start seeing the other programs tick up, I mean, I think, you know, the, the expression that Greg Shannon uses all the time, all, you know, all, all the boats rise at the same time, Crash. No, I mean, so two things. One, like I, you touched on in your column, and obviously when all the sports are done, we'll do our annual report card. Uh, they're going to have the best winning percentage you've ever had in, in Big Ten competition. But I looked it up. Not a single Rutgers program finished last place in the Big wow. Ten. Wow. Huh. I mean, Rutgers wrestling, obviously, they went 0-4 in four dual meets, but they, if they had wrestled Maryland at night, they would have, you know, not, so yes, that's an asterisk for them. But they finished, you know, I think 10th out of 14 at the Big Ten Championships without Sammy Alvarez. But every program, you know, even softball, which I went 8-36, and um, Penn State had a worse finish, I believe, in the Big Ten softball standing. So, yeah, you have that too. But, no, I no program finish in the last place. You had programs making steps. The other thing I say too is even taking aside the wins and the losses, look at the 24 sports. I think you could basically argue that pretty much all of them, with the exception of softball, which is I think you've, you've got questions about their trajectory going forward, uh, are on an upward trajectory. You know, you've, you've got the coaches that you want to have in place. Everything is kind of rising up. So I think that's another thing, way to look at it, too, that this is a really good year, but you're building towards having a year where we say, no doubt, this is the best season they've had. I, I talked to Pat Hobbs. He was on his way. They were loading up. This is kind of cool. And this is what happens when you've got a, a high level. Of, you know, everyone's rooting for each other. They're loading up the class of 1957 golf van. And I just picture maybe it was like an, actually a van. This would be a Rutgers thing, a van from 1957. That they're, so they're loading up this van to drive out to Stony Brook to watch the game. A bunch of coaches, a bunch of uh, athletic administrators piling in with, with you know, a couple of crates at Dunkin' Donuts. It's just like a good, a, a nice, you have to give Hobbs credit for that, Sarge. I mean, he hired a lot of these coaches, not all of them, certainly, but, you know, I mean, he, he, he changed, he, he cleared out some of the dead wood that had been in there for a long time underachieving. Well, it's the, it's the facilities, you know, first and foremost, and he gets yeah. a lot of credit for, for raising the, the money and the, and, and the capital and, and just the, the goodwill to, to be able to uh, get these facilities done at a university that really, you know, all these years, you know, did not, you know, uh, build facilities. So, you know, that's first and foremost. And now, you know, as you mentioned in your column, you know, these coaches are using the uh, facilities, the resources that they have available, and they're getting better athletes. So, you know, and, and really, you know, again, he's, he's hired good coaches. So, uh, by and large, you, you know, he, you know he's, he gets a lot of credit from the Olympic uh, sports standpoint. Uh, probably, you know, the, the best job any AD has ever done for, from, from uh, you know, raising the level of Olympic sports yeah, I think there's two ways as an AD to kind of have success and turn things around. You, know, you find a coach like, you know, Bob Mulcahy found Greg Schiano, took a chance on him. It worked out. You also write a check, you know, so the facilities, you wrote a check, you built those facilities or, you know, every like baseball, everyone knew Steve Owens was a very successful coach who was going to win games here eventually. Pat Hobbs took the jump. He wrote the check. He paid him the, what it was going to cost to get him out of Bryant. You know, I look back to my alma mater. You know, Eric Hyman wrote the check to hire Don Staley. Now they're in the Final Four pretty much every year. So I think that's it's not just finding these coaches. And Pat has done that. You know, Melissa Lima, as we just discussed, but it's investing in the program. And I think Rutgers is learning that once you invest in these sports, you're gonna be good at them, given the strength of the school's academics 
and being in New Jersey where these sports, field hockey, women's soccer, uh, lacrosse, are important to the state. All right, guys, let's dive into true, false. True or false, you know the rules. Hit you with a couple of topics. You tell me what you think, then we'll discuss. All right, true or false, Rutgers has a legitimate shot at the epic lacrosse upset over in North Carolina. Cratch, true or false? True if they can win their face-offs. Okay, Sarge? True either – I mean, they won despite losing their face-offs, so they, they, they could probably win even if they lose their face-offs. All right, I gotta. I got actually read some UNC lacrosse. Writers. I gotta go false on this one. They are uh, a powerhouse. All right, true or false? Never fear. Steve Steve Peichel has solved his roster concerns with LSU transfer Andre Hyatt. Crash. True or false? False. Sarge. Not yet. False. Yeah, it's still a false for me too. All right, true or false? There will be a spring game sellout. Cratch, true or false? I have my moles checking into this little update. <laughs> Haven't gotten it yet, but I'm going to say false. That would be terrible, Sarge. I mean, they're going to announce it, so you're, you know we're, we're right, going to yeah, be wrong. So. But you know, but the, the Cratch uh, slash Jerry Carino head head count. Yeah, you know, I'll be uh, fascinated to see what they come up with. I love how like. In terms of the, the outrage that you know, and some of it was a little bit ridiculous about the attendance cap. That like one of the one of the defenses from Rutgers was, well, I mean, we never really had that many people there. We just made it up. <laughs> that was tremendous, by the way. Absolutely, <laughs> the, the context of that. You was... guys believed our attendance figures? Come <laughs> on, basically. And we had written it. Dan Duggan and I back, you know, back then we had actually done you know, stories of, of recapping the attendance. And, and those were all based on announced attendance figures. Like during the early, you know, Graciano years, you know, even going into Kyle Flood, they would announce like 20,000 fans, 15,000 fans. And then when Cratch does a story, basically the, the word inside the program was, hey, you know, when, when was the last time we ever got more than 7,500 uh, fans for a spring game? I love it. I love and, it. And you know, even back in the day, you know, we used to inflate those numbers, right? They, they would, they absolutely acknowledge the fact that they did that. All that the kind of change crashes narrative this time around. Beautiful. It was, it was priced. They didn't even have, I remember when they, they brought in the, that band, um, Rich and Stupid or. Yeah, Big and Rich. Big and Rich. Big and rich. We yep, counted. $100,000 check. $100,000 check. They had like 200 fans on the field. They, they, they could have just handed all those people a $50 bill instead and they <laughs> make them come. I love it. My favorite one. When big and Rich. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. Where were we? Oh, true or false? Oh, I got a couple more. True or false? Uh, other than the quarterbacks, the player we're most interested to see in the spring game is Josh Youngblood. True or False. False. Sarge? True. All right, I'm going false as well. I'll tell you why in a minute. Other than the quarterbacks, the player we're most interested in seeing in the spring game is Patrice Rene. True or false? Scratch. True. Wow. All right. Sarge? I mean, I can't say true to both, so I'll say false. All right. Okay. Well, I have to answer this one myself. Other than the quarterbacks, the player we're most interested to see in the spring game is Valentino Ambrosio. You guys forget that we still don't. True. That's my. We, we still knew who the kicker is in this team, right? I mean, that was a question at the end of last year. But that, who, who are the kickers? Who are the, you know? Who are I the believe uh, I, I hear it's Adam Shire or Shiana, but they, Valentino is the guy. Yep. But yeah, okay. Steve is a good point. You know, I think that the whole, you know, I, it remains to be seen if he is the upgrade from Justin Davidovitz that Greg Shiano and staff seem so convinced he is. And I'm going to add one more. 
that that the crash just mentioned because it's it's a great it's a great question. All right, the, the, the 2020 21 Rutgers Coach of the Year is women's lacrosse coach Melissa Lehman. True or false? Crash, we know your answer. True. Sarge, what is your answer? True. Really? Yeah. Both true for I mean, what, I, what she had inherited and, and yeah, absolutely. You're the, two. the basketball the question, coach. Yeah, but, but Pico and I, yeah, I get that, you know, and again, they got to the NCAA, but they would have been to the NCAA tournament last year. If we were doing this podcast, they won a game. Discussion, okay. Yeah, but they, they, you know, last year was, was Pico's year, you know, okay, where, where, right. where they made that leap. And, and look, we, we forget, like, go back to the art. Like we, you know, there were times where we were really questioning Steve Pico. Like they, you yeah, know, you true. can make a case that they, that, you know, at least in a regular season that they might've underachieved a little bit, but um, again, overall body of work, Pico's you've done an incredible job, but if you're just asking who, which coach has done the best job this year, it, it has to be uh, layman. Interesting. Okay. And we both, we all don't think that, that Pico solved his questions here, which is, uh, you know, I mean, you kind of have to, have, he, he took the program out of, out of the big 10 basement and made it, made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. You have, you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have doubts <laughs> I can't tell you about, and I understand that Andre Hyatt's a good addition. Um, but overall guys, it's, it's still, there's still some front court issues there. Yeah, they need they need size, like they yeah. need a, a big man, and yeah, you're you're probably gonna get Rod and Geo back, and that's gonna obviously help. But they they need a big man. We we've seen this program even when they had Miles. If Miles got into foul trouble, they were in trouble. And yeah, Cliff's gonna make big strides, but you need that second or third guy because he's inevitably gonna have two fouls five minutes into a game. All right, anything else we want to cover? Or can I dive into our Rutgers Insider questions? Let's dive in. Dive in. All right. Uh, thanks again, everybody. Of course, as always, NG.com uh, Insider. Uh, it's always fun to dust, discuss stuff with you and a bunch of good questions this week, as always. Here's one that comes up. Tailgating at the spring game. What the hell is the point of us going with, with no tailgating? Why is this university so far behind society and New Jersey? Um, it's an interesting point. And the one thing I'll say about this, guys, you know, I live in Montclair, obviously the world's most liberal town. Um, I think it's just only been now that people, when the mask mandate came up, when Fauci said, okay, you don't have to worry about that at doors, uh, Murphy lifted all the, the, you know, the restrictions. This is the first, this is, this was the first weekend I saw people walking around without mat without masks in the park and, and at the ice cream shop, you know, it might just be the timing when they were planning this, that that gave it to this point. I mean, what do you, what do you think overall? Should I mean should we hold them responsible for for not allowing more fans and not allowing tailgating? The, the the issue is, and it goes back to the fact that they don't have graduation ceremonies, and you know, John Holloway's uh, taking his lumps for that um, as well. The issue is. They made these decisions back when we had no idea where, where the world was going to be in May. Um, don't forget, like the football program had a you know two uh, two and a half week uh, quarantine, you know, just two months ago. So, you know, <laughs> we, they made these decisions back when no one knew. And but the the issue is, Rutgers is terrible at at calling audibles and 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 changing things on the fly. Whereas other universities, other places society have been able to do that Rutgers has a lot of smart people and I think you know I think the the you know more often than not you know there you know there's just a reluctance of of, of doing things is changing their mind on stuff there 
that's the biggest issue. The, the, the biggest issue is they should be able to, to accommodate tailgating because again, what is the point? And, you know, the rest of society is, you know, is, is, is moving, moving forward in this uh, you know, instance. I will say too, I think one of the big issues with Rutgers and Sarge is absolutely right. They do not audible. Well, is they do not help themselves out. And I think this is not only just this, it's since the pandemic started Rutgers has not been transparent about a lot of things and if they had just if they just come out and explain themselves that's a great point would be so i'll give you something i know for a fact they Rutgers internally mapped it out if you were sticking to six feet of social distancing and i i don't know if that's still the cdc guideline um i think it might be the state of new jersey guideline because murphy is now not is holding back on their stuff. If you stick with the six feet of social distancing between seated parties, the capacity of SHI stadium, they've projected is about 10 grand. So if they come out and say, we're basically at 10 grand max because of this, you know, federal guideline, I think people would understand the 5,000 cap more. They also don't come out and say that I, I'm pretty sure, and if I'm wrong, you know, forgive me, that there's the, the, the player and coach family members are not included in the five grand that they're, the five grand is a ticket they're volunteering to the general public. So there's gonna, you know, they have to accommodate those people too. Like it goes back to when they weren't allowing fans at the baseball game and people were ripping them for it. And unnecessarily, because the problem was that Rutgers was restricted to having 200 people at Baton Field and they were making sure that their players and coaches and the other, the, the, the visiting team had passes for parents and family members. And when that got done, they had like 180 people there and you're not going to have 20 people from the outside come to the game when it's first come first serve and no one knows what's going on. So I think Davis have not done a very good job of communicating where they're coming from. And if they had simply said, look, this is the number we have for X, Y, and Z. I think people would be more accepting. I also think that the graduation decision has really tied their hands. Um, I was in Texas this past weekend. My sister-in-law graduated from Texas A&M. Congratulations, Claire. And they had in-person graduation. And it was the most efficient thing I've ever seen in my life. You literally got into the basketball arena. The graduation started at 9 a.m. on the dot. Eight, once my watch hit 9am it started they played the music they rolled in the one like the, the vice presidents gave a little speech they played a canned you know video from the, the chancellor and the board of regents president one graduate came up gave a nice five minute speech they started calling names you got you, you they called your name you walked across the stage you walked out of the arena your family walked out of the arena you took a photo outside the place was cleared within an hour and they started another one shortly after you know, Rutgers could definitely do that. They just chose not to do that. And I think Sarge is right. They made a decision in January when things were not as clear, and now things are opening up again, thank God. And they just don't want to be flexible and adjust on the fly. And I think that's limited, uh, the spring game, and it's limited graduation. But I think the hope has to be that by the fall, this is all going to kind of end. A lot of people really angry about the graduation thing, without question, and it's and it's and it's because of what you say. That just it just seems so logical that they could that anybody else could figure it out, but Rutgers, of course, did not. All right, let's dive into another question. Uh, could the Johnny Langan package expand into a role at tight end like Taysom Hill, New Orleans quarterback, uh, especially since the tight end was a weak position last year? 
Uh, it's, a great, it's a great question. She sent it directly to Steve Gleason, the new $1 million coordinator, which we have to discuss that we should discuss here. You've got a guy as creative as him who, you know, who obviously has proven he can use his best personnel in different situations. I mean, crash, that seems like a no brainer putting Langan in a, in a tight end situation. Definitely. I think they, they should have been doing that, you know, last season. I think he's a guy who you can do a lot of different creative things with. And I think definitely a lead blocker as an H back role would be tremendous for Langan. Um, Yeah. I, you know, we broke that story, I think, last week or the week before. You know, it's a big move for Rutgers to got, you know, make Sean, you know, as I wrote in the story, when Rutgers joined the Big Ten, their head coach didn't even make a million dollars. And now they've got a million-dollar offensive coordinator. I think the best thing for Rutgers is you're buying yourself time. The way the contract is structured, you're going to have Sean Gleason when Gavin Wimsack gets to campus, which I think is a big thing for the Scarlet Knights. Absolutely. Um, all right, diving into more more questions. Uh, Jacob Allen, that's the 6'5", 265-pound tackle from the Hun, number two junior in the state. Looks like he's close to committing. Anyone else close to committing for football or basketball? And it, the update today I just texted from um, Todd Rukant, uh was that it looks very good for Jacob Allen, who's got, you know, just basically every – every offer imaginable including Penn State and Miami and, and to think that they already have a four-star quarterback and that they could land a four-star offensive lineman the number two player in the class in addition to already having I think four or five really good offensive linemen I mean this is a top 10 recruiting class now I would it's just hard to imagine it would go up a couple notches but it could I mean what do you guys know about uh, what do you guys know about recruiting right now I think you know I believe Allen's the guy to watch. I think there's some other guys are in, but at the same time too, like they, they only can bring in so many guys in 2022 because of, you know, the, the waiver and everything and the and natural scholarship crunch. So it wouldn't shock me if Rutgers is getting close to being done. You know, they're also going to want to have spots for, you know, transfers next off season. And I think if, if the program continues to succeed, you might be in the market for better transfers than they were even this year. So I would not be surprised if once they get Allen fall, I know it's a big thing and they're trending in the right direction there, that maybe that's kind of the end and they start to maybe kind of try to contain the class and keep it together rather than add to it. This is interesting. And sorry, I think this, this really does, if you maybe if you look into Greg Shannon's skill sets, you know, program building behind the scenes details, you know, it's the, the coronavirus until obviously what happened this spring, but that that's something that falls into his, you know, it just, it's something he'd be good at managing that stuff. I have to imagine that this roster management stuff really does fall into his, you know, I, schools are going to have problems with this, keeping this number to 85. I, I mean, I think Shiano is going to figure out a way to make sure the best players uh, are the ones who remain in this program. Yeah, I've been told countless times uh, that, you know, we're going to see, you know, uh, what happened in, in basketball with the transfer portal, uh, the, the big wave of, of basketball, we're going to see after spring camp, you know, not just at Rutgers, but, you know, at a lot of other places that there's going to be a lot of uh, programs, you know, don't forget, you know, FCS programs, you know, played this spring. So, so you know, there, there's going to be a lot more openings. There weren't any openings, you know, from January until, uh, until now, you know, on the FCS level. So, um, 
I think you're going to see a lot more players, not just at Rutgers, you know, heading into the transfer portal. Um, you know, at, at some point it's going to be become, you know, salary cap, uh, you know, management, you know, and Graciano is really, really good at that. Uh, they're going to, you know, try to find a you know home, you know, work with these players. Uh, they're going to be very, very careful to, to say, you know, that they're not, you know, pushing anyone, uh, you know, taking anyone's scholarship away, that they're going to try to find homes for, for a lot of these guys. But, Cratch is right. You know, they're going to need some, some, some roster spots, you know, and there's just a lot of questions about, you know, how they're going to be able to trim, trim down from basically a hundred down to 85, you know, for, for 2022. All right. Another good question um, from Chris Monty in Toronto, Ontario. I didn't know our, our, Rutgers Insider program was international, but apparently we get up to Toronto, which is good. Uh, is Rock is Rutgers a lock to stay in the Big Ten and be part of major college athletics for the long haul, or is there any risk that it could be the odd man out if another round of realignment takes place when the next series of TV contracts get signed by the conferences? It's an interesting point. I mean, I, I think you know you're already seeing now a Pac Pac-12 uh, introducing their new. Uh, commissioner surprise name, which of course I cannot remember. I'm sure one of you guys might be able to pull, pull out of your hat. Um, that there's already talk about what if they what will they do for for more expansion? Um, do you think we're headed that way? And would I mean would Rutgers be in in a situation where they could be you know trying to grab a chair again? What do you think? No, I, I think you know if you look at the history of college football, you know. Vanderbilt, the only reason why Vanderbilt's in the SEC is because they had like the foresight or more likely the dumb luck back in the day to not leave the conference when Tulane and Georgia Tech did. Uh, but they've never been kicked out. You know, the, the, the Northwestern wasn't kicked out back in their dark ages. So, no, I think Rutgers, Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Like, they're not going anywhere. I mean, and if Rutgers is not in the Big Ten someday, it's probably because not because Rutgers has been kicked out of the Big Ten. It's because the Big Ten doesn't exist after Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Nebraska left to form the super, you know, the the, the college football super league on Amazon Prime. No, I actually don't. I don't. I think we'll see some expansion potentially, but I don't think we're going to see massive expansion. Because if you look at the board, I mean, what's there really for the Pac-12 to add? You know, you could add UNLV, I guess. Do you really need that? Does that really move the needle for you? Does, you know, BYU would move the needle, but there, you know, there's a lot of complications to adding BYU. So, no, I think it, we're not going to see much expansion. I think Rutgers is safely in the Big Ten as long as it wants to be in the Big Ten and as long as the Big Ten exists. Sorry, do you agree with that? I think we're going to see some some uh, some expansion and you know a new wave in, in the next couple of years because i think what the coronavirus really did was was it, it yeah. exposed the the the, the haves and the have nots even more and what we're seeing with with uh you know the the nil stuff that's going to be be happening we're, we're going to see even uh you know uh, emerge even more where, where these big programs are just going to want to separate themselves from 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 you know the the, the mid majors and you know so i think we're going to see it uh you know you know Crash mentions, uh, you know, some of the schools, but, you know, Texas, they're always a prime target. They've always been, you know, kind of, you know, you know, waiting in the wings a little bit. So, you know, does either the Big Ten or the Pac-12 make another run at, you know, Texas, you know, down the line? Um, I think we're going to see it, you know, be, you know between uh, by the end of this decade, I think we're going we're gonna to see another uh, wave of expansion. All right. Final question. That's a good one. Cratch. My big question for James is, did Francesa remember him as the guy he called Clueless a few years ago? 
<laughs> you remember that story? What was I forget? What was what did you piss him off about? What was it was the, the uh, if so, I'm trying to think. Yeah, okay, so it was when um when WFAN basically got banned by the Garden after Maggie Gray criticized Jim Dolan, and Francesca went on. He had this like monologue where he was kind of like this talking about a bunch of things, and he implied that he was going to give up his app. Remember the, the Mike's Mike's on app and everything. And so I wrote a story saying, it sounds like the app is on the chopping block. And then Mike, I guess that was wrong. So Mike ripped me, called me clueless, dense. I didn't understand technology, all that. How's the app doing now? The app is. Well, that's the thing. Like the app was gone, like within like, you know, three months of that story hitting, but no, I, to answer your question. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think Mike had any idea who I was. And, uh, I mean, I identified myself, obviously, jamescratchnj.com, you know, all that. But, uh, no, you know, Mike was great. Um, you know, very pleasant, uh, very cooperative. Appreciate the interview, but no. I, I, I get the sense he's just sitting in, the, he's sitting in an office in Long Island with no one to talk to, right? I mean, this has got to be it. He's just, he's just got nothing to do at this point. <laughs> well, thanks for puncturing my, uh, you know, I'd, hey, you know. Or I could say, hey, maybe he know. But, you know, I, I actually talked to someone one time who knows Mike, and they said that – there's when Mike rips someone like there's two different like there are people like he truly has animosity with and then there are people and the guy the guy said it best is like I was just part of the show that one day you know kind of a, right. a shooting star in the galaxy that was just my day to, to be part of the part of the circus and then you move on gotta love it all right well that was uh, that was fun stuff gentlemen i appreciate uh appreciate all the questions from mj.com mj.com backslash insider please sign up text us early and often we look forward to hearing from you man. i guess we'll be back on monday guys right when we're doing a show on monday to talk about the spring game to, to give to give our breakdown of of our attendance numbers quarterbacks everything that happens then uh and maybe some more lacrosse some some more insight insight about lacrosse from me because that's what the people really want to hear is is my my abundance of knowledge about that sport and any we'll final be, thoughts i think we'll be back on monday and then politi will go on vacation for you know the next like three or four five months i think after that okay oh, that's a good that's a buy i do have five months vacation how did you know that <laughs> well, i mean everyone knows that by now, my contract I mean, so. <laughs> all right gents enjoyed it uh, everyone thanks for listening we'll, we'll talk see you next week thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone sign up at nj.com slash insider